Welcome to episode 25 of Uncontained with your host Aaron Static Render. In this episode, he interviews his voiceover coach, Susan McCollum. Move over, man. It's my turn to talk. In this episode, Susan explains how she changed her style of coaching to separate herself from many other voiceover classes. Hi, Susan also shares some stories of past students who have been doing big things. One who's a voice of a very famous dog who likes tacos. And another that whispers to unicorns. Here, unicorn. And another that was nominated for a BAFTA award. And also, you'll want to stick around to the very end of the show and get a quick voiceover lesson from Susan. Enjoy episode 25 of Uncontained with Susan McCollum. Let's start the show. What are you waiting for? How are you doing today, Susan? I'm doing great. Great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you for coming on. For people who don't know exactly what you do as a voiceover uh, teacher, coach, instructor, uh, could you explain for them uh, what what it entails? <laughs> okay. Well, I started uh, Voice Media, Susan and Friends Casting almost 30 years ago. And it started because I was a voiceover actor myself and people kept asking me, how do I get into the business? How do I do what you're doing? You're having so much fun. And so I started teaching and kind of worked my way through it, had to find my own way, what makes what I do work and came up with my own technique for teaching people how to break down copy if it is commercial copy. Uh, that is usually solving a problem, and it's a problem-solution format, uh, and teaching people to find transitions in the copy and using their voice in a way that is attention-grabbing for uh, the product. Okay. All right. So yeah, I went through a few of your classes, and we had a good time. We did. We did. I'm full of laughs and my uh, smart ass impersonations and stuff like that. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> but one of my biggest things that I had to get over in your class, coming from a radio background, was talking like I'm on the radio all the time, getting over that radio voice. Absolutely. That is the kiss of death in uh, voiceover work today. They think that uh, you're going to go in uh, when you say radio and be the old Don Pardo with the uh, big microphone voice. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, no, not another radio guy. So absolutely, (laughs) they are looking for a much more conversational uh, read these days. And I say these days, that has been the last 10 to 15 years, actually. So okay. it's not real new. Yeah, you really only hear the radio announcer guy kind of in parody nowadays. In parody, but, but you also hear it on car commercials. So it's not that it isn't something that is still done. Uh, before we were talking, I was listening to a uh, local car dealer shop. And um, so the car dealers still have a tendency to put it out there in like that Sunday, Sunday, Sunday kind of way, a very hard sell. So you are, One day only. Yeah. So you are still going to hear that sort of voice for those kinds of uh, clients. Okay. Yeah. I've heard it in a few places. Like there's obviously concert commercials and stuff like that where you have that like big voice. But what are... What are some other like kryptonite uh, traits that you hear and people just getting started out? Um, 
traits of people. I had someone in today and who was just starting out, and she was uh, starting in on narration. She's a teacher who uh, just retired. And when I gave her copy and we talked about it and put her behind the microphone, she went in and read as if she was talking to five-year-olds the whole time. And it was like, okay, how am I going to bring this about? Uh, and I put her back in the booth again after talking about it and told her to, uh, okay, we need to approach this more like uh, Rosie O'Donnell on this. And then when you hear it back, it, she was talking to the client about uh, client benefits after you've been with a company for a while, what your uh, retirement package would be like and that sort of thing. And, you know, you can't do that in <laughs> talking to five-year-olds. It's crazy. Yes. So just being able to give um, a name or a character that someone can relate to helps to uh, take them away from something that might sabotage their voiceover career in that case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually just remembered one of the things that you had me do while I was uh -huh. trying to do a conversational read. I think it was about uh, Clorox or something like that. I was doing it reading kind of radio style like shirt sheets and towels uh -huh. type thing. And uh, you're like, okay, what I want you to do first is do it in a voice, you know, kind of like do like your mafia voice or something like that. Get and then out of yourself. Yes. Get, yeah. Get yourself out of your head and then go to it. And it actually, it helped. And then, then I probably fell back into it shortly after, but, <laughs> but it does work. It does work. That is one of the little tricks that, uh, uh, that you can do on it. The other thing is a voice here over talent needs to have a good ear. They need to have a musicality about them. So when you were talking about shirt sheets and towels from that particular piece of copy, and if a uh, director says, uh, I need you to step the copy up, they mean up in pitch on each particular step. So shirts, sheets, towels on it. So if you can hear that musically, it will really help your reads and also moving okay. your arms about. I, When I do a voiceover, I look like I'm conducting an orchestra in the booth because I use my hands. And when I'm stepping copy up, my hand is going up um, step by step on it or down or uh, talking to someone. You have to be talking to someone. That does not mean the radio or television audience out there. It means you're talking to a best friend or a small group at a dinner party, uh, something like that. So so when you, when you say you look like you're conducting an orchestra inside the booth, you're actually taking your hands and like when you want your voice to go down, you're kind of pointing down well, or and does that... Does that actually change your voice? It does for me. Usually when the hand goes down, the voice will go down. If the hand goes up, points up in the air, the voice will go up. Every once in a while, I get somebody who does just the opposite. And I'm <laughs> scratching my head going, okay, I'm not sure where to go with this one. But for the most part, yes, I look like uh, Michael Tilson Thomas uh, conducting the San Francisco Symphony when I am in the voiceover booth. Right on, right on. And I don't worry about what other people think of how I look in there. You've got to get over that. Uh, you have to be completely open and unafraid of anybody criticizing what you look like. Uh, you have to do whatever you need to do to get the sound that they're that the client is looking for. What's the craziest thing that you've done to get a certain sound that you were looking for? 
Um, let me see. I don't know whether it was the craziest sound that I was looking for. A champagne cork. I was the champagne cork for Freshenette Champagne one uh, New Year's when they were running a special on it. And, you know, going over and over and going, okay, those were not good pops. I would not have gotten the job on that if that had been the audition. I don't know whether you heard that or not, but those were not good pops. <laughs> that was a better one, okay? There you go, there you go. And then um, the other thing is controlling your laughter when you've been in the booth for a while and, you you know, something strikes you as funny. And I spent 14 years as the radio spokesperson for Albertson Supermarkets. And I remember one of the scripts coming in, copy, we call it copy, coming in and it opened with build a better burger from the ground beef up. And it just struck my funny bone. I could not get it together to uh, to stop laughing. I just couldn't. And they sent me out of the booth and I walked around the block and then came back in. And <laughs> you don't want to have to do that. You want to have, you know, enough uh, um, composure, composure or... and whatever to be able to pull it together. And um, so it was, I think, the first time in my life where I just really lost it. Build a better burger from the ground beef up. Build a better burger from the ground beef up. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, I'm like, who wrote this? Mm. <laughs> yeah. And that almost sounds like one of those uh, tongue twisters that uh, we had to do in class, in class warming up. Yeah. Like, you know, New York, you need New York, you know, you need unique New York, ah! that type of thing. Yeah. She almost had it there. <laughs> You know New York, you need New York, you know you need unique New York, right? Yes. Were you using your hand when you uh, just did that? Because when we learned it in class, I used my hand. I, I don't think I did uh, right there, but sometimes I do. A lot of times, like, I'm part Italian, so I talk with my hands a lot of the time. That's a good thing. So, so it just comes naturally. Yeah, that's a good thing, so. The other uh, time I remember the num another crazy job was we were, we, we had two voice talents. The other guy's name was uh, Dave Christian, who used to also voice for Macy's. And we were doing a commercial for an Italian restaurant. And the lead voiceover talent was playing the part of the, of, uh, the chef at the restaurant. And okay. in the background were the stomach. And we just had to go lunch, 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 lunch. And after a while of doing it, it the word doesn't make any sense at all. It becomes a non-word and it became slunch. And uh, also another time when we were just in hysterics and nobody, you know, you couldn't get the, the spot done um, without a break and putting the voice talents in opposite corners so that we couldn't look at each other. <laughs> so um, some good times. We do have good times in our uh, voiceover sessions. So that that's that's always good to have. You can't go into work and hate it every day. So I don't think there was ever a day that I didn't want to go into work. Honest to God, in the well, maybe when I was. Uh, uh, sick or something, but when I didn't want to go into work because I never knew what the day was going to hold. Even if I had a session, I went out one day and, uh, you know, my agent called and said, we have a session for you, such and such. And it was for uh, Jimboree. That's who it was. Jimboree Toys. And I thought, okay. okay, it's a narration. It's a corporate piece, you know. And when I got there, it was uh, a piece they had introduced a couple of dolls into their line that they were selling at uh, the stores. And they also had a kiosk at the Jimboree Play Centers. 
So going in thinking I was doing a narration and suddenly having to come up with, Hi, my name is Jim Bell. What's yours? <laughs> was uh, a far cry from <laughs> what I thought I was going to do that morning. So you just never really know uh, what it's going to be. You just have to uh, go with the flow, be uh, flexible enough to go in and do whatever you're asked to do. And knowing that's it as a voice talent, knowing that you have the capability and having the confidence that, that you can do that. I don't think there's any sense okay. that could throw me at this point. Right on. So you have to be able to be flexible enough and on your toes enough to be prepared for either do, coming up with a character on the spot or right. narration or whatever. And that's where your training does come in. You know, it. Um, a lot of people think you can pick up a piece of copy or they hear someone on TV reading, uh, well, let's say the Safeway ads that are out there. Uh, you know, oh, she's just reading uh, kinds of cereals and, and different kinds of sodas. Anybody can do that. But when you actually get into it, there's a lot more technique to it. As we touched on before, uh, stepping the copy, you don't want to yeah. say tomatoes, apples, oranges. I mean, you have to make those sound like they're delicious and um, you're trying to get people to buy them. So uh, there's a lot more that goes into it. When I train people, some people will pick it up automatically and I don't have to spend a whole lot of time explaining Um they get it. They have an ear for it. Okay. And that's one of the reasons I have changed from doing large classes into doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. That's right. You're not uh, doing the uh, big groups anymore like I was in last. That's right. That's right. Because I have found that uh, a lot of the classes that are out there these days, a lot of the training facilities... Uh, it's become like a circus. There's so many classes to choose from, and you could stay in uh, a voiceover class and never get to the point where you're going to work. Um, my philosophy is let's get you to the point where you know what you need to be doing. You're not going to make a fool out of yourself when somebody asks you, uh, you know, give me a level and step the copy and things like that. You know exactly what you're supposed to do and have the confidence behind you that you have that technique. But it doesn't take everyone five years to get that technique. People move at different rates. And okay. I found that by having the classes, I was doing a disservice to many people who could move more quickly. Um, and I also found that we were kind of making up names of classes just to be more competitive out there with uh, just classes. They're all basically the same thing. It's voiceover and there's different areas on it, but we don't need to, um, like I said before, take 20 classes in order to be able to step copy. You know, having a class on stepping copy, somebody can learn that in 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And it almost sounds, from your description of the circus of voiceover classes out there, it almost sounds like the uh, prescription uh, drug world where it's like there's no uh, no profit in a cure. If they get you out through your classes and out, you know, they're not going to get any more money from you. Exactly, exactly. And it's not just here in the Bay Area. I'm not saying that. It's, uh, it's all over. It's all over the country. It's all over in Canada. And I would imagine it's in other countries uh, as well. So, um, but I'm just finding that I am really enjoying working with people 
getting them to the point where they can do the demo and putting them out there in the marketplace. And I take great joy in having them come back and say, I've gotten my first job. I've gotten my second job. Hey, I've been doing this for nine months now. And, you know, I'm actually um, making uh, decent money at it. I had one awesome. oh, I had one gal who was in one of my audiobook classes and uh, that is a different genre um and she went out thinking that she was going to do children's books and uh actually ended up doing uh erotic books other, under another name she get get <laughs> kept getting called on to lend her voice to those kinds of books and she went well Okay, they're not kids' books, uh, but she has found <laughs> that they were a real challenge, and she's actually enjoying it and getting paid good money to do it. So, That's awesome. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a choice everyone has to make, but you may find that you're suited for something else other than what you start out uh, um, thinking about your own voice. What did you start out thinking about your own voice? Um, I actually started out doing uh retail doing commercial things and i thought that i had a good ear for the retail things and i was right as i said i've done i had done macy's and luckies and if we go way back emporium capwell and uh uh bullocks before it became whatever it became and a lot of the, the department stores a lot of the grocery stores and again my stint for 14 years as the signature voice for Albertson supermarkets. But what I didn't know I could do was character voices. And I know that when my son was little and I used to put him to bed, he had a whole bed full of stuffed animals. And every animal had its own name and every animal had its own voice. And so <laughs> when we'd say goodnight to the animals, I had to be, had better say the right name for Theodore J. Bear. But I'm Teddy. All right. Teresa Bear, um, and, uh, <laughs> Yogi Bear, whatever it is. And I had an opportunity to do um, a script for a company that was the old phone lines. That's what it was. When you used to be able to, uh, uh, the old 900 numbers, uh, maybe like the... for that. Yeah, 900 uh be sure to ask your mom and dad. And I did things like the Easter Bunnies party. Hiya, boys and girls. We're having an Easter party. Would you like to join us? And, and you know, <laughs> only $2.99 per minute. Be sure to ask your mom and dad. Well, probably after about six or nine months, the uh, government kind of closed those down and said, uh, you know, kids are not asking their mom and dad, <laughs> their mom and dad. But it gave me an opportunity to really start developing some of my character voices because through that there was another, it was a company out of Sausalito and um, uh, we did another one that was called Castles and Crystals and then there was a fellow who had a radio show called Lonesome Cowboy Tim. And it's that Lonesome Cowboy Tim. Lonesome huh? Cowboy Tim. And um, I played Darlene Poot who was a 300-pound cow in that one. And uh, so at that point, I said, well, okay, I think I can do this. And I would come up with these voices, just, you know, pull them out of the hat as I was reading on the spot. And um, then gradually for myself, put together a demo. 
for animation and started uh, shopping that around and started picking up, uh, number one, I got a client, an um, agent in L.A. at that point, and it was just when animation was starting to come back again. So uh, there were more auditions, but when it was coming back and also uh, stars, and I don't mean the agency, the talent agency stars, I mean movie stars, were, okay. were going, hey, there's uh, some pretty good money to be made at this. And so all of a sudden it was becoming a market that was more crowded with recognizable names. And so we were relegated to the uh, five and underlines, they call it. And what does that mean? It means you're paid a certain amount of money for doing five lines. If you have one line, it's called, it's one to five lines. So five lines and under, you get paid a certain rate for it. And uh, the stars will obviously, their agents will negotiate a price for the whole project for them. Okay. Whereas for talent, it's like, I think it's eight ninety five, eight hundred ninety five for uh, about four hours of uh, of voicing. Don't quote me on that. Radio I, people. <laughs> I I am quoting you on that. <laughs> <laughs> I got you recorded saying yeah, it, Susan. Cut yeah, well, <laughs> <have> that out. <laughs> okay, we won't we won't hold you to that, but. Um, it's, it's actually good to hear. So there's guidelines of what people should be getting when they're doing jobs, you know, yeah. cause a lot of people just starting out are like, Oh, I want to go on like voices one, two, three or voices.com or, uh, something like that. But I have no idea what to charge or the guy down the street wants me to record something for his, uh, phone and I don't know what to charge him. There's a lot of different contracts out there through the union and the union being AFTRA, SAG, SAG-AFTRA, one union is what they're called now. And I actually think it's $895 and they get you for, uh, the client will have you for one to three voices, one to four voices, I don't know what it is exactly, for that $895. If they go into the next voice on it, then it is uh, a whole nother $895 fee. Again, I'm not up on the exact prices on these things um, or rates on these things. Uh, so you can check that online at uh, sagaftra.com under rates most likely to come up with that. Uh, there's a lot of non-union work out there too. When you're first starting out, that's where you're going, your work is going to come from. And uh, Edge Studios in New York is a good site for that, for rates. They have uh, some online. Is that just edgestudios.com? Edgestudios.com, and you can Google it. And I believe it, you'd go under education for that. Just look at their uh, tabs, and uh, somewhere there should be rates. And I think they do a pretty good job of covering that. People ask me why I haven't written a book out there, and it's going. I think everybody else has done a pretty darn good job of it. I don't need to add <laughs> another two cents to it, you know. Would you Would you be interested in writing a book, or would uh, do you prefer working like one on one with the person instead? Um, with the person, I you know I do it uh, working in person. I think if you're not in an area where you can get coaching um, in a studio, I and many of my peers are available for Skype lessons. And I'm finding that uh, 
Uh, a lot of the people I'm working with currently really like that. Uh, I have one gal who's up in the Santa Rosa area and she wanted to come down in person and she did the first time and it took her, you know, two hours this way, two hours to get home and an hour session. She was finding she had to put a whole day aside to take a one hour lesson. And we're now doing it on Skype and she takes an hour off of work and we get accomplished what we need to get accomplished. And because Skype, on Skype, I can um, see what the person is doing as well. So I can see yeah. whether they're using their arms or whether they're uh, opening their mouth wide enough. If I hear a sound work, I think it's, you know, the sound isn't coming through. I can look and see, hey, you're talking with your teeth together. You know, that's that's a Connecticut lockjaw. Um, Connecticut lockjaw? Connecticut lockjaw, when you talk with your teeth together, Yes. So it's like open your mouth and let the sound out. But uh, I can see what they're doing as opposed to having, you know, to guess if it is just the audio portion of it. So I find that it works pretty well. Okay, awesome. So if somebody wanted to get a session with you, Susan, uh, where could they get a hold of you at? Well, they could check me out on my website, which is voicemediasf.com. And on there, my um, information will be listed. Uh, about the lessons and phone number will be there or they can email me at voicemediasf at comcast.net all right great and i will have those in the show notes as well Terrific. so uh if you didn't have a pen on you at the time you heard it you can just go to the show notes and find them um so you who have you had go through your class i know you've had a few uh, relatively big names come out at least big names in the industry uh some big names in the industry yes i've again been teaching for uh, a lot of years and um uh, one of uh, the people I have done voiceover demos uh, for is John Morris, who was the voice for Toy Story 1, 2, and 3, I believe. Uh, what role did he play in there? Andy the boy. Okay, he was Andy. Yes. Okay. Yes, Andy the boy on it. And then uh, the other one is Carlos Alas Rocky, who is from the Bay Area here. I believe he's from Concord. And when he was first starting out and uh, was winning stand-up comedy competitions in San Francisco, uh, he came to me and we did his first demo. We used a lot of the characters that he uses in his stand-up. And uh, with that demo, he went off to L.A. and did his first cartoon, which was Rocco's Modern World, I believe is the name of it. Okay. And um, got his first agent, who was very happy with the demo, and then started booking things. And he's doing very current cartoons uh, and things like uh, he had done Happy Feet and and some of the big uh, animation things that are out there. And also was on Reno Nine One One as Sergeant James Garcia. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I thought he was on Reno Nine One One when I heard that, and. Wasn't he also a very famous, the voice of a very famous dog? Yes, he was. Yo quiero Taco Bell. Yes, he was the Chihuahua. I think I need a bigger box. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think he told me a number of years ago that he still had a garage full of stuffed uh, Chihuahuas that he used to give away. <laughs> for oh, wow. <laughs> He'll never have enough kids to... Uh, uh, to give each one uh, their own chihuahua on it. I think he has two kids now. But And the other person that I had the pleasure and honor of working with is Sully Sullenberger, 
who is the airline pilot who landed the plane on the Hudson, the miracle on the Hudson. Oh, really? Was that before or after? And I worked with him before he landed the plane. And Sully had always said that he always wanted to go into safety videos. And so he was preparing for a career in retirement, invoicing, doing narration for aeronautical safety projects. Oh, wow. Uh, so the day that happened, and I happened to hear the TV, or it was near the TV, and uh, they came up with landing on the Hudson. I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And then they showed the captain's picture on there. It was like, oh, my gosh, it's Sully. <laughs> <laughs> I know him. I know him. Yes. That should springboard his career into recording yes. safety videos yeah. right there. I have seen him since then, and he was nice enough to say that he had learned a lot of things in my class that he's putting to use. So um, I felt like that was a, a little feather in my cap as well. So it's uh, great to be working with people and seeing how their lives, how it's making a difference in their lives. Yes, yes. And there's one more person that uh, I, that came and taught a class that uh, you had, like substituted in that. I, I remember because I kind of want to get into that area of voiceover as well. Uh, he did a lot of video games. Adam Harrington. Adam Harrington. My boy, Adam. Yes. Uh, Adam started with me about 15 years ago. And he actually tracked me down through a newspaper article. And he ended up on my porch in my home in the East Bay, uh, rang my doorbell, had his his baggy pants on, baggy shorts, and his baseball cap on backwards and his hair down uh, to his shoulders and just pointed at the article when I opened the door and said, I can do this. <laughs> and his deep voice is like, whoa, okay, but uh, you're not going to do it here. So I gradually, um, I got him into the classes and I could tell in the first two weeks that he really had it. And this is what I mean about not keeping somebody in class after class after class after class when you know that they have it instinctively. So during the six weeks of his class, I, um, I am also a casting director. I do casting for projects and I had a casting for uh, a project called zip2.com, which was uh, a precursor, I think, to maps, um, maps.com and some of those other okay. places where you figure out where you're going. And uh, they wanted the voice of a tooth fairy on it. But they didn't want the tooth fairy that sounded like this. So they didn't want me. Um, but they wanted the tooth fairy like this. And, like a uh, gruff, scary tooth fairy. Scary tooth fairy. And I thought, oh, my God, Adam is perfect for this. And I went to the uh, client and I said, I have a guy who is perfect for this. He's non-union, though. And they went, nope, nope, no non-union, no non-union. And the rules of the union say when you audition for something, you have to audition everyone who is right for the part before you can give it to somebody who is non-union. And so we did. We had every... Uh, a uh, scratchy voice, low voice, villain type voice in San Francisco into audition for the part. And I thought, how am I going to do this? Hmm. So I kind of snuck Adam's uh, audition. I won't say snuck. I just put it on the end of the audition tape when I sent the others in. So they heard all of the union people first and then they heard Adam and went, oh my God, he's perfect for it, which I knew in the beginning. And so Adam was hired for the job. 
He, because it was a union job, he was Taft-Hartley into the union. Uh, okay. I'm not going to go into explain, explaining that. <laughs> Take. That's fine. There's Google. Okay, yes. Uh, um, <laughs> and because he already had a job and he was going to be in the union, all I had to do was uh, call my agent at the time and say, hey, I got somebody here who can make you some money. And uh, which I did, and they uh, handled the contract for him and all of that stuff. And lo and behold, Adam was on his way within the first four weeks of taking a voiceover class. And after that, he continued, I think, within uh, the first um, four months, he had done another uh, national masterpiece barbecue sauce spot, which made him quite a bit of money. So these days, however, he is doing video games and he is uh, he has been in so many. He's done thousands of voices. But the one that he is best known for at the moment is Big B in the video game The Wolf Among Us. I tell tale games out of uh, uh, actually, I believe they're both L.A. and uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. And last year, Adam was nominated for a BAFTA Award, which is the uh, British version of the Academy Awards. And he was up against some pretty tough competition. I mean, it was uh, Kevin Spacey and Trey Parker from South Park. So uh, he didn't win. But what an honor to be nominated for something like that. Uh, Just incredible. We listened to it at the studio. We streamed the video of the actual show and we, we were uh, all cheering for Adam. So that's, that's quite the group to be uh, lumped in together with too, you know? Yes. Just to be nominated for that and walking the red carpet with stars, with actors who are stars. Yeah, it's a long way from showing up on your doorstep being like, hey, I can do this to absolutely, the red carpet. Absolutely. The red carpet. And now he is spending a lot of time, like many people in animation and voiceover and video games, uh, going around the convention circuit, so to speak. And that is Comic-Cons uh, and and uh, voice uh, video game conventions all over the world. I think he's going to be in uh, Dubai again in a couple of weeks. And the experience is just taking him everywhere. And that's to sit and be there and be on panels and talking about the characters within the games and signing his autograph. So it is so exciting. And... I think one of the things he told me last time I saw him was um, some little kid recognized him when he was in, um, recognized his voice. He said something to the kid in his character name, and the kid was like, Mom, Mom, you know, that guy's Bigby, that guy's Bigby. And, (laughs) you know, the mom looked at Adam and his long hair and his, (laughs) and grabbed the kid by the arm and, you know, quickly walked away. And Adam just kind of winked at the kid, you know, so uh, it's really cool with the with all of the fans that are out there. Right on. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about you again real quick here. So what have you been up to lately? You you, uh, have something going on with DreamWorks. What is that? Well, one of my uh, very successful students as well is Thessaly Lerner. And Thessaly not only is a voice talent, but she is a writer and she has written a number of uh, animation cartoons out there. And the one that I am in uh, currently is called 
Astrid Strudelman, the unicorn whisperer. <laughs> Thessaly's imagination, whoa, goes all over the place. It's about an imaginary school, and I don't know, it's like Cinderella arriving in her pumpkin. I think there's, you know, students that are uh, donuts. Uh, anyway, the visuals are just incredible, done by a fellow named Will Guy. And uh, it's fun voicing them. Now, she will uh, direct me, and sometimes I can use my studio to do the, um, to do the work. And I, sh I send it down her to her in wave form, and she'll get back to me. And other times she needs to be there for the direction. So, um, and she is just uh, a plethora of ideas. I've never seen anyone come with so many crazy ideas. <laughs> Are you the unicorn whisperer? No, she is the unicorn whisperer. She is. Actually, what do you what do you play? I play a school teacher. My name is Miss Mooney, and I am actually uh, a black school teacher, which I find very interesting. Um, no putting on any sort of accents or anything, but that's just okay. what my character is. And actually, Adam is in this one as well, and he really he plays a basketball coach at the school. Now it's a dumb basketball coach. Um, aren't they typically in DreamWorks movies you don't have a whole lot of like that, that I'm not sure the prejudice school, against coaches yeah I'm not sure the school teacher is uh, uh, all that uh, brainy either but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but she sure is fun to play so you know she is sometimes the uh, oh what do you call it when you're at a prom you have people who are you have adult chaperone. chaperone thank you oh my god what happened to my brain i don't know i like playing what's that word though <laughs> we may get into that a little bit uh, but i never know what thessaly is doing she has also another show that is uh, it's in the works with they've already done a pilot for it and it's with mike rowe the guy who does uh, dirty, job. dirty jobs. And when they were tossing this uh, idea around looking for a new job, somebody was saying, well, learning, teaching kids to do things like micro. And it was, they were going to say microcosms, but you know, Thessaly went micro. Oh, micro. <laughs> there was this whole new idea that blossomed and um, you know, their, um, um, their team got in touch with his agents etc and they've actually done the uh, not the demo but the uh the... like a sizzle reel type thing yes okay so they got mike Rowe. he's done the sizzle reel for them and wasn't mike Rowe an opera singer you know i think he was classically trained yes yeah yeah absolutely so uh you know, we never know where we're going to end up in this business <laughs> just uh <laughs> It's crazy, and I love every minute of it. Yeah, and speaking of not knowing where you'll end up, you got a couple different things going on. On top of that DreamWorks thing, you were telling me you're doing some uh, voice imaging? Not voice imaging. Voice imaging would be uh, imaging for radio station. It's called IVR, Interactive Voice Recognition. Basically, those phone calls that come through that we all hate to get. Ah! And uh, we either talk back to them or press a number, press one, press two. And um, I work for a company who represents uh, pharmacies all around the country. 
and a couple of them are Food City and Golden Value or something out in the Midwest and uh, and Schnooks Pharmacies. Schnooks. <laughs> I, huh? I had a hard time with that one. Schnooks. <laughs> uh, it's really just saying things that you love to hear, like this is a courtesy call from your Schnooks Pharmacy. Your prescription is ready for pickup. Please press one if you no longer need this you know, et cetera, et cetera on that. But uh, so there's a lot of that work out there and it actually pays pretty well out there. Uh, and you are either paid by the line, by the word. Uh, there's a lot of different ways you can be paid for it because some of the work is just sitting and saying words where they're putting phone numbers together. You may have to do uh just the words one to 10, no, one to zero it would be, Susan, one to zero, <laughs> but they all have to be inflected at the same, they have to have the same inflection and the same pitch to it. So if you were going at the beginning of uh, a phone number, you would say, if my phone number was 283, then the first one would be two, three. Four, and you do a whole series of numbers so that they could then computerize that and have the computer do the work of putting phone numbers or addresses together. And so you do a series of things with the up inflection and two, two, two. So upside down on it uh, is the piece okay. that we use. And it could be on letters. It could be on names. Um, they do that for... Hospitals, let's say John Muir Hospital here in the Bay Area was uh, having a new phone tree, they call it, done. You'd be saying all of the names of the doctors, the departments, the nurses, the, the home line on it, um, any other line that you can think of. Yes. Or if you know the extension, please dial please it now. Dial it now, yeah. Otherwise, wait for a... A list of extensions and something like that may take a voice talent a couple months to actually do the job six weeks to two months to do a job like that it's funny like nobody ever really thinks of that as a voice talent job you know no. they just take for granted that those voices just appear on that phone right and look at siri <laughs> yeah All the words that siri has to say to put together I mean, that's a, a job, that's a year-long job right there. You know, we're saying every word in the dictionary with different inflections on it, so. Yeah, um, that's. So where the market has, where the market was when I started into it, it was really commercial and corporate narration. Those were the biggies. And since then, uh, there were only a, a handful of us doing voiceovers at that time. So the jobs were easier to come by. What has changed is that there's a much broader use for voiceover with the internet, uh, with e-learning, electronic learning, learning for, uh, for college courses, for schools, for, for elementary school learning um, that weren't out there before. So there's a lot okay. more jobs. There's a lot more people looking to get into those jobs and a lot of them are just signing up for, you know, the uh, online auditions that are there and putting together something without the training behind it. And I got to tell you, you're throwing your money away if you're doing that. Again, I don't think it should take three years to get to the point where you can do that. 
But even on those sites, you're competing with people who've been in the business for a while because everybody's on all the sites. That's just take yeah. that for, for granted. So if you don't know what you're doing or you're recording at home on your kitchen table, it's just not going to be the quality um, that is required to get you the work out there. That's good to know. So I guess that leads into this next question just perfectly. Uh, ask this to all my guests. Uh, do you have any advice for somebody getting started out in voiceover, which I assume you do since you're a teacher, coach, instructor, and voice actor? Yeah. Um, if you don't have a passion for it and you're only doing it because everybody's told you you have a good voice and you could make some extra money at it, I would run the other way as fast as I could because <laughs> it's a lot more work that goes in that has to go into it to be one of the best voice talents. And after all, you want to be the best that you can be. You don't want to say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm mediocre out there. I'm an all right I'm voice all right. talent. And I learned this uh, before I went into voiceover. I was a, a dancer and singer, did uh, Broadway shows and worked television, the old Ed Sullivan show and stuff. And I had a passion. I did not take no for an answer until I reached my goals on it. Uh, if I couldn't get into, um, you know, uh, a show in one way or let's, let's say, bring it back to the voiceover world here. If I couldn't do a voiceover in one direction, couldn't get a door open, then I'd find a different tack. You know, if I couldn't go right in the door and get through on the telephone and get through at the front desk, then I'd try the telephone. Then I'd start asking people who they knew. And you just have to want it badly enough. That's all I can say. And do your homework. Don't don't have mediocre tools to work with, meaning your demos. You know, mediocre isn't good enough. What would be some homework that you say do like uh, voices in the shower, walking around town, just oh, talking in different gosh. voices? If you're in the car, I would mirror the, the commercials that come on the radio, meaning talk in the same uh, pattern that they're talking right after they're doing it. I used to read the uh, billboards along the way, whether it was, uh, you know, on the train in New York or whether it was uh, on the freeways out here, just reading them out loud, read cereal boxes, read the mail when it comes in and all those uh, flyers come in from the grocery stores. Believe it or not, all of the phrases that they use in the commercials for the grocery stores are right in there in the flyers. You add a few mm. extra words like, you know, is your family or something like that. Um, is your family hungry for? And then you look at the flyer and you can read off things and prices and uh, just work it that way. So absolutely just practicing reading out loud. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've, I've I think I've even had bums look at me like I'm crazy when I'm walking by talking in a different voice to myself. Uh -huh. Like I'll just walk by talking like an old man being like, what's going on? What's you get off my yard or something like that, you know, or just like, I wish I had been with you. I, I would have answered back. <laughs> or just like switch up the voice. So you're talking to somebody in conversation and be like, got to put some bass in your voice exactly. or something like yes. that, you know? Yes. I drive my girlfriend crazy with impersonations all the time, so. <laughs> I drove my whole family nuts, and, you know, then I uh, look at my son and go, yeah, well, you know what put you through college? That crazy voice that they pay so much. <laughs> the crazy voice that haunts you in your sleep. Well, that was the other thing. When I was doing Albertsons, my son was uh, 
uh, down in L.A. living at that point, and uh, it was in his younger years, college-type age, and he walked into a hardware store, and I guess my Albertson spot came on, and he called me, and he said, Mom, I can't get away from you. <laughs> Where I go, I'm in my car driving, and there you are. I'm in the grocery store, and there you are. I'm in the hardware store. Please, why did you have to pick this career? And that was when I said, "Well, it's putting you through school, so let's uh, we'll live with it." Okay. So, so, so be a little nicer yeah, to yeah, not being able to get exactly. away from me. All right. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any other family members in voiceover or anybody following your footsteps? Not in voiceover, but um, I didn't come from a theatrical family, but boy, I sure turned into one. And okay. that is my, uh, uh, my son's father was the house property man at the Golden Gate Theater. He's a stagehand. And uh, that was actually where we met in a show that I did at the Curran Theater. Um, and then, uh, my son graduated with his degree in theater, but then also went the backstage route and he is now the, uh, house prop man at the Orpheum theater. And oh, cool. it's funny when I went to his college graduation, uh, he was in the theater department there. So a lot of, uh, a lot of his, um, guests at the wedding and their parents were there and I was talking to a one woman and I said, oh, yes, that's my ex-sister-in-law over there. And yes, that's that's my ex-husband. And that's my second ex. And and she goes, oh, you must be that theater family. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I had to laugh. It's, maybe that's true that uh, we have unconventional uh, lives, which uh, may make uh, the family uh, situation a little rough at time hours that we work etc but uh yeah uh, but no voiceover my son did a little but he's mainly uh, an on-camera talent and has done spots for uh, the super bowl for uh, toyota trucks and i think he's got a kia spot that's running right now so he does the on-camera stuff on the side as well as being the uh, uh, house property man at the orpheum so awesome that's cool so you did create a little bit of an artistic family, as you were saying, coming from no real background to... Yes, and my son just got married to the cello player uh, who plays for the shows uh, and <laughs> the different theaters. So so the uh, the theater family is growing. <laughs> <laughs> taking over the world. Yes, taking over the world, yeah. All right, Susan, so... We already have voicemediasf.com, but is there any other place where people can get a hold of you, like social media or follow you I on Twitter? I am on Facebook. They can uh, Google Facebook or whatever. Um, I'm on Facebook as Voice Media. And I'll also give my phone number. Okay. The studio number is 925-283-6446. And we are located in the East Bay now, even though we say SF. <laughs> well, the SF stands for Susan and Friends, correct? Absolutely. It's the first time you mentioned that. That was Voice Media was the studio and the voiceover portion of it. And Susan and Friends was the casting agency, is the casting agency. Okay. All right. I was going to ask you who the friends were, but... Well, it started out when I, uh, before Voice Media came about, I started out as just a production company. And I had to have a name for it. And since I was hiring all my friends, 
uh, I just called it Susan and Friends. And then later on, when that morphed into casting for different projects, uh, we just adopted that as the name for the casting agency. Okay, great. Well, Susan, I have one more question that I ask all my guests that come on the show. Uh, it goes along with the name of the show. Mm-hmm. How do you live uncontained? Uncontained. I've always lived uncontained. Um, as I said earlier, I grew up uh, and knew from a very early age that I wanted to be a Broadway show dancer. And show dancers are gypsies. We are gypsies. I lived on the road. We dressed how we wanted to dress. We pretty much were outrageous, um, you know, from start to finish. So uh, within dancer, singer, Broadway actor terms, I don't think I was too outrageous. But when I would go home to visit my family (laughs) and my, my late brother would say, what? in God's name is she wearing now? What is that on her head? Why, why, why? It was just me. You know, I danced to the beat of a different drummer and um, I still do. When somebody tells me, no, there's no way you can do that. All I need is that challenge. And I take that and live outside uh, the lines that have been drawn for me as well. So that's pretty much it. I'm just not going to be your normal person. Hey, I can't argue with that. You got to be yourself. And uh, that's why I have you on here, Susan. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Thank you for being uncontained with me. And I have one more thing to do before we uh, wrap up the show. I always have my guests sign off the show. Would you do me the favor of signing off the show for me? This is Susan McCollum and I live uncontained. Thanks again to Susan McCollum for coming on the show today. And thank you for listening. And don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to Uncontained on your favorite pod player. And as I promised, I got a tip from Susan McCollum coming up for you right here at the end of the show. But first, until next time, live uncontained. One of the things a lot of uh, newcomers to the business have a problem with is their plosives or popping P's and B's. And the simplest way to deal with that is to put a smile on your face and that kind of corrects that and if it's still there you can talk uh slightly across the microphone with your voice put your your face actually at an angle and talk across the microphone and that should fix the problem